In today's gospel, Jesus teaches us about marriage and its indissolubility, that is, its permanent and unbreakable character. He says, What God has joined together, no human being must separate. Now, why did the Lord teach us that the marriage bond is indissoluble? First of all, marriage between two baptized Christians is a sacrament. It is a sign of Christ's own faithfulness to the church and the church's faithfulness to Christ. Because Christ's love for the church is permanent, so also is the marriage bond between two Christians. The indissolubility of marriage, though, is grounded not just in its sacramental character, but also in marriage itself, understood even at the natural level. Marriage is for the good of the spouses. Even more so, marriage is for the good of children. Divorce is bad for spouses. Even more so, divorce is bad for children. And you don't need to have any sort of religious faith to see that this is true. Here are some data from secular psychologists and marriage counselors. And I don't have a lot of time to get into too much data, but I'll just give you just a little bit here. So as far as the negative effects on the adults are concerned, there are very profound negative psychological and even physiological uh, effects. Negative, of course, financial effects, negative social effects. And there's also, and this is maybe what I'll speak about just briefly here, threats to growth and personal character and virtue. So, for example, there is a great temptation to a profound and lasting anger and sometimes also a, a temptation to desire and seek revenge, uh, temptation to manipulate children and relatives in an attempt to sort of gain the upper hand over the rival spouse. There's a temptation to tell only half of the story, uh, maybe to exaggerate or even to just flat out lie, and in general a failure to take responsibility for one's actions. But the worst effects, though, are on the children, and that's really kind of what I'd like to focus on. Again, there are only just a few things that I can talk about here. Short-term effects on children, smaller children, albeit. Uh, Bedwetting, nightmares, sleep disorders, crying, moodiness, temper tantrums, acting too old or too young for one's age, uh, a deep and lasting fear of abandonment, feeling rejected, depression, low self-esteem, And then these are the big ones, guilt, and then also divided loyalties. Children get confused about who they should be siding with, so to speak. Long-term effects on children. Uh, Long-term, lasting effects in academic achievement. Also, uh, sexual identity problems, sexual misconduct in general, alcohol or drug abuse, eating disorders, It's not an automatic thing, but oftentimes these negative effects are associated with with divorce. Okay, a true marriage bond between Christians is unbreakable and divorce is bad. We got that, all right? Now, my brothers and sisters, with all that said, I'd also like to talk about the fact that sometimes the separation of spouses 
can be justified or even advisable. Uh, and it's very important to make certain distinctions here. The church has always taught that for Christians, divorce, properly speaking, is impossible. That is to say, divorce understood as the dissolution of the marriage bonds. That is impossible for Christians. At the same time, the church, going all the way back to St. Paul and onwards, has always taught that the separation of the spouses uh, and even a civil divorce can sometimes be justified or even advisable. You see, there is a distinction between the sacramental marriage bond on the one hand and the civil and legal effects of marriage on the other. The sacramental bond can persist while at the same time a Christian might be justified in pursuing a civil divorce. Uh, it's very important to note I am talking, I am, I am talking here about separation or civil divorce, not remarriage. Remarriage is a whole different story. Uh, and it, so also are the issue of annulments. Uh, that would be a whole different homily and teaching. And I, I want to let everyone know that I'm always available for discussion and counsel on this very sensitive and difficult topic. But for now, I have to limit myself so that I don't talk forever. Okay, what are some of the reasons why a Christian might be justified in separating from their spouse or even pursuing a civil divorce? Here are just some of the possibilities here. Uh, one is adultery, of course, uh, though, you know, with adultery, if there's repentance, uh, reconciliation is usually advisable. But then also sometimes there is serious physical or verbal abuse taking place. Uh, sometimes um, intolerable life under the same roof due to criminal activity, habitual drunkenness, serious neglect of home, children, finances, etc. Also, of course, sometimes a Christian did not want the divorce, but their spouse divorced them. Or it can be the case that a Christian unjustifiably sought and attained a divorce, but then much later on after the marriage was totally unrecoverable, he or she realizes their fault and is truly repentant. The damage has already been done, and the only thing that can be done now is to just try to cope with the after effects. In any event, divorce among Christians is a pastoral reality, and as someone who is in a position of pastoral authority, I deal with it on a regular basis. What I'm most concerned about in all of this, though, are the children. And so is the Lord Jesus himself. Notice in our gospel reading how the talk about marriage and divorce ends with Jesus embracing little children. So, for the sake of the children who have to go through divorce, here are some helpful strategies for parents uh, that they can use to lessen the possible negative effects that their divorce can have on their children. So first point, if you're going through a divorce or a separation, don't get so wrapped up in the drama of the divorce as to forget your children. Spend time with your children if you can legally, okay? Every case is going to be different. Talk with them about the separation or divorce. Talking with them while playing games with them, for example, is, is a good uh, tip. Even reading books or watching videos about divorce can be a helpful way uh, for the children to sort of indirectly work through their emotions and speak about their feelings. Second point, provide an age-appropriate reason for the separation or divorce. This is really important. They feel, children feel disoriented and unstable, and if there's a, a very precise and justifiable reason, 
there's a, it makes sense of the whole potentially confusing matter. Uh, and make sure, this is very important, that the children know that this is a grown-up problem uh, and that nothing that they said or did caused it. This counteracts the feelings of false guilt that children often go through uh, when they experience a divorce. Third point, do not try to win them over to your side by being lax on discipline or uh, and or spoiling them with gifts. Okay, Maintaining good discipline brings stability to uh, an unstable situation and shows them that you care for them. And deep down, they actually really get that at a deep psychological level. And then the fourth point, and this is probably the most challenging point, do not speak badly about the other parents. Uh, this is very important. Speaking badly about the other parent indirectly forces the child to take sides. And this can then just intensify their anger and their confusion. Uh, fifth point, require children to attend Mass and participate in the sacramental life of the parish. This is a time to draw closer to the church and not to distance yourself from the church. Uh, you will find that your priests and your parish in general is very understanding of your situation and very welcoming of you. You're going through great suffering, but it's an opportunity to, as our second reading mentioned about Christ's sufferings, it's an opportunity to take your sufferings and unite them with those of Christ's. And thereby, your suffering can become redemptive and good can come out of a, a bad situation. And that ultimately is going to be the best lesson that you can pass on to your children. Fidelity to the church, fidelity to Christ, acceptance of the situation, uh, and, uh, f- and faithfulness to mass attendance. And then finally, you know, we can look to the example, uh, to the examples of the saints for this. What's remarkable is that there's nothing that we can go through in this life that the saints have not already gone through. So, for example, St. Helen, very ancient saint, mother of Constantine, she was divorced. So we can call upon her intercession. We can look to her for an example. She became a really holy, holy person and, and is a saint. There's another saint by the, the name of St. Guntramnus, kind of a big mouthful there. Another ancient saint. And he actually, he divorced unjustifiably. He divorced his wife. Afterwards, he repented, converted, and became a very, very holy man, uh, even a miracle worker. And so, um, you know, he, he would be another person that we can call upon and, and look to for an example. And then finally, there's St. Eugene uh, de Mazenod, who's a, a 19th century French saint, and he is the son of divorced parents. But we see that in that situation, it didn't stop him from going on to become a, a great saint. And so all of this, it's very important to understand and to never lose sight of our bigger vocation to holiness and that even in the midst of something so negative and bad as a divorce, holiness is still a possibility and uh, we and our children can come out the better for it.